let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. On New Year's Eve 2017, 22-year-old Jimmy Amisiel was on his way to a New Year's Eve party walking through Gonaives, Haiti. Suddenly, he came across a large crowd that was making a big commotion. And when he got close to where the noise was coming from, he saw the cause of the commotion. For there, lying on a rubbish heap, was an abandoned baby boy. He was naked and crying, and fire ants were crawling all over his body, and no one, not one single person, was willing to do anything about it. Jimmy walked over and picked up the boy and held him close, and as soon as he hugged him, the boy stopped crying. A bond formed between Jimmy and the boy, and before Jimmy knew what had happened, his life had changed. Instead of going to the New Year's Eve party, he took the boy home to his mother. Well, you can imagine how his mother felt. She was shocked. He was going to a party, and now he came home with a three-month-old baby? What was going on? They called the police to report the incident, and the police said, please, can you keep him overnight? But it was even more surprising in the morning when a judge knocked on their door and said, no one has come forward to claim this child. Would you be willing to take him and have temporary custody? Well, Jimmy was shocked. He was just a university student studying at university in Texas, USA. He was even behind on his school fees payment. He was from a poor family. Jimmy didn't have the means or the capability to raise a little boy, but he, he simply could not walk away from the little baby. Jimmy remembers what happened next. Something inside me was telling me that this had happened for a reason, he said. So I took a leap of faith. I've always wanted to be part of something great, and to me, that was the moment. Jimmy named the boy Emilio and started the adoption process, but the adoption process was expensive. There were lawyers to hire and court cases to go through, and so Jimmy made a sacrificial decision to temporarily suspend his university studies so he could work at a job to raise money to pay for the adoption. Other people began to hear about Jimmy and Emilio, and they contributed. In fact, people from all over the world have given. Up to now, over 140,000 U.S. dollars has been given to finalize the adoption and help Emilio move to Texas with Jimmy. And with the extra money Jimmy raised, he plans to support orphanages and needy families in Haiti. Jimmy had nothing to give but his love. He sacrificed his own education to help a strange abandoned baby. But his generosity has had an impact that far exceeds his expectation. But you see, the fact is, you don't have to give a lot to give a lot. You don't have to be a millionaire to be generous. You don't have to be wealthy to make an impact with your giving. Being generous isn't about the amount you give as much as it is about the sacrifice in the giving. For some of us, giving a hundred Ghana CDs would be a token, a pittance. But for some of us, it would be a sacrificial gift that would attract the tension of heaven. And when you choose to take less for yourself so that others can benefit, that's the sign of generosity. It's not an amount. It's not just giving. But generosity is measured not only by what you give, but by what you keep. So let me ask you a question today. If you were on your way to a New Year's Eve party and you found an abandoned baby on a rubbish heap, what would you do? Think about that. 
as we bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that we're gathered in the presence of the most gracious, generous God. Everything we need is in you. You've supplied so abundantly we can't even count all the blessings. And I pray today that you'll open our eyes to see your generosity in a new measure and that we will be changed by that vision. I pray today that you'll take away the hardness in our heart, the selfishness and the greed, that you'll break the bondage of possessions and money and that you'll make us like you, imitators of you, generous. We submit to you now, we bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to illuminate our hearts and minds and to give us the grace to make an impact through our generosity. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to join your faith with mine. Take a moment, lay your hands on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You guys have picked a great day to be here as we conclude our sermon series called Impact. Everybody say impact. We looked at the impact of serving and the impact of agape love, and we're concluding the series today with a message on the impact of generosity. And to help us learn the truth for today, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. If you're watching online, you can find these uh, on our website and on our social media pages. Go ahead and download them for free and follow along as we discover how generosity makes an impact. And there at the top of your notes and on the screen ahead of you is our scripture text for today found in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 12. Now, receive the word of the Lord. Remember this. Nudge your neighbor, say, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. I thought you'd say amen. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I thought you'd shout amen. Amen. For the Bible says they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide. Put your hand on your chest and say, my God will provide. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Yes, you. Tell your neighbor you. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Consider with me for a moment the powerful truths contained in these verses. First, we see God's view of giving. The Bible says in verse 7, God loves a cheerful giver. God gets excited. And secondly, we see the impact when we give. Others are blessed, needs are met, and God is glorified. But not only that, finally, the Bible tells us that we ourselves are enriched through our generosity. So let's break these verses down over the next few minutes and discover how generosity 
generosity makes an impact. And here's your first truth. Generosity makes an impact because generosity pleases God. We can't do enough to emphasize verse 7 that says God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I mean, that's straightforward. There's no question or doubt about what God is saying. God wants you to give joyfully, cheerfully, willingly, and voluntarily. He never wants you to give reluctantly or with a long, squeezed face. He never wants you to give under compulsion or by manipulation. You should not give because a prophet saw your visa coming, and if you'll sow a seed of 10,000, it will happen. Hey! You should not give because the man of God anointed the offering envelope with anointing oil. There is no benefit to giving your offering in an envelope covered with anointing oil. It only makes the money sticky. Amen? So don't do it. I don't believe in, in all those gimmicks. I don't believe in that nonsense. I believe in the God whose word is true. And God says, if you will give cheerfully, if you will give generously, I will bless you. And I'm convinced today that we need to trust God for everything that we give. I'm sorry to say that a lot of people in the churches today are giving in a way that does not please God. They're giving out of a wrong heart and a wrong motive. They're giving like an investment banker making an investment rather than as grateful children to our generous Heavenly Father. But God is pleased when we come and give to honor Him. That's why I'm convinced that generosity is not about you getting a blessing. It's about God getting a blessing. The foundation of giving is not you, it's God. So don't ask, what will I get if I sow the seed? Ask, what blessing will God get through my giving? Before you think about yourself, honor God. That's why the way you give is as important as what you give. 2 Corinthians 8.5 says, they gave in a way that we did not expect. They gave themselves to the Lord and to us before they gave their money. This is what God wants. First, they gave themselves, and then they gave their money. Because God doesn't want your money. He wants you. And this is exactly what God wants. He wants you when you invest your money in the kingdom, when you invest your money in God's work, when you invest your money in others, you're putting your love and your expectations in him. For Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, your heart will be where your treasures, where you invest your money, where you sow your money is where you will find your treasure and that's where you will find your love and affection. Your use of money reflects your values. You spend money on what's important to you. And sadly today, a lot of people are spending money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't even like. But when you love God, you'll be generous in his kingdom, and your investment there will cause your love to be there. That's why you've got to give yourself to God, and then you will give yourself generously. After all, God doesn't really need your money. The Bible says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You can't give God anything that he doesn't already own. Everything and every one of us already belong to God. So when we give, we're not trying to make God rich. We're trying to make God happy. We're trying to bless him and glorify him. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Turn your notes over to page 2 and understand that 
that when you honor the Lord with generous, willing, joyful giving, you reflect the generosity of God. God gets excited. Heaven opens. The Lord comes down because he sees a reflection of himself in you. After all, God is the most generous being in the universe. Everything we have, all that we are, belongs to him, and he gives it to us for free. For 1 Timothy 6.17 says, God richly gives us everything to enjoy. If the Lord charged you today for the sunlight, could you pay? If you had to go to headquarters of sunshine and join the queue to buy prepaid sunlight, would you ever see sunlight? Could you afford to pay for the air you breathe in and out, in and out thousands of times since you woke just this morning? If you had to prepay advance rent on the space you control on the earth, would you be able to pay in advance? Could you pay for all the great things that God has done, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual? Could you pay for one single drop of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the drop of the almighty sovereign creator of heaven and earth who was shed for you to be forgiven and for you to have new life. Could you pay for one drop of the blood? Could you pay for the power of the Holy Spirit that sustains you every day? Could you pay for the grace and forgiveness? How much would be in a reasonable amount to pay for every prayer God has answered, every miracle he's performed, everything he's done for you, he's cleansed you and washed you and done all these great things for you. Could you pay? Could any any of us pay, but he is the most generous and glorious God because he gives us everything we need freely without regret. And when we follow him, we will look like him. When we follow him, we will imitate him. When we follow Jesus, we will become the most generous people on earth. So let me ask you a question. Does your giving today reflect the generosity of God? If the only testimony to God's love and goodness was how you gave, would the world know how great his love and generosity are? Once there was a young boy from a poor family, woke up one morning and decided he wanted to have lunch with God. Tell your neighbor lunch with God. Well, the boy didn't know where to go or how to find God, but he decided to pack a few things and take them in a sack and find God to have lunch with God. So he got some bread and tin sardine and some biscuit, and he put him in a sack, and he set off on the journey. He trekked and trekked and trekked for a long distance until finally by midday, he became very, very tired looking for God. Then he saw a mango tree with shade, and he decided to sit down and rest a while. So the boy sat under the mango tree, and as he did, he began to feel hungry. The food in the sack was calling his name. So he opened the sack and took out the bread, opened the tin sardine, and was about to make a sandwich. And as he did, he noticed not far away an old woman was sitting by a water well. When he looked at her, she looked sad, lonely. She looked hungry. So without thinking, the boy got up and took his lunch over to her and offered her his sardine sandwich. Well, you should have seen the old woman smile. She had no teeth, but her grin reached from ear to ear. Then she gave the boy a hug and made a place for him to sit down. She spread her cloth for a cushion, and he sat next to her, and she gave him a hug, and he gave her a hug, and together they started eating the bread and sardines. Oh, it was wonderful. The woman was so happy. And then after a small time, she got up and took her bucket and got some water. She went to her room and got two glasses. She poured 
poured some water for herself and poured some for him. And they sat there together, the old woman and the young boy, eating and drinking, saying nothing, but sometimes just giving each other a hug and smiling. Well, after some time, the boy realized that time had gone and he had to get going home because it was a long journey. So he gave her one last hug, waved goodbye, and went off on his journey. When he got home that night, the little boy was smiling from ear to ear. He was so excited. And when his mother saw him, she said, what are you smiling for? What has happened today? And the boy said, today? Oh, today was the most wonderful day. Today, I had lunch with God. She's older than I thought, but I'm sure it was her. What? What are you talking about? Lunch with God. How do you know it was God? The mother said. Oh, the boy said, I know it was God because she freely shared everything she had with me. Meanwhile, up the road, the old woman sat by the water well with the biggest smile on her face, grinning from ear to ear. One of her compound neighbors came by and said, ah, what are you smiling for? What has happened today? And the woman said, today? Oh, today is the most wonderful day of my life. For you see, I had lunch with God. He's younger than I thought, but I know it was him. What? What are you talking? Lunch with God. How do you know it was God? The neighbor said. Oh, the old lady said, I know it was God because he freely shared everything he had with me. So the old lady and the little boy freely shared everything they had, and they had lunch with God. I challenge you to have lunch with God this week. Find somebody. Share what you have. Touch a life. Make an impact. You'll get closer to God, and you will impact the world. And that brings us to our second truth today. Generosity makes an impact because generosity blesses others. Listen to how our text goes in verses 11 and 12. When we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Being rich isn't about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. When you give generously, you bless God and you bless others. When you give generously, needs are met and praise goes up to God. For what counts in God's view is not the value of your wealth, but the wealth of your values. It is impossible to be truly rich and not be generous. See, friends, somehow we've come to a wrong conclusion today, and we think that our wealth makes us important. We think our significance and our value in life comes by the car we drive, or the address where we live, or the title on our desk, or the bling on our arms, or the clothes we wear. We take our value from all these possessions. We believe the lie that wealth equals significant. But the fact is, you came to this world naked and alone, and you will leave naked and empty-handed. And all the gold and silver and money in the world cannot go with you to heaven when you hoard it for yourself because in the light of eternity it's not the value of your possessions but the value of the people you impact for wealth does not equal importance we've loved things and used people but God commands us to love people and use things 
That's the lesson we can learn from the two sisters who lived in their father's house. The two sisters looked alike, but they were very different in nature. The first sister was generous and always giving and always lending her things to her friends. If a friend needed an outfit, she wouldn't mind to lend it out. If they needed a handbag or shoes or necklace or bracelet, she would willingly and joyfully lend out and give away her things. But the second sister was just the opposite. She wasn't giving nothing to nobody. She didn't lend anybody anything, including her own sister. So at first, the first sister almost looked poor. She didn't have a lot of things in her wardrobe because she was so generous. And the second sister looked rich. She had wardrobe after wardrobe crammed full of outfits and shoes and purses and jewelry. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. But then one night, while the two sisters were sleeping, a kerosene lantern in the kitchen caught fire. And before they woke up, the fire consumed the kitchen and spread to the house. Smoke was billowing through the house, and flames were shooting high. And by the time the two sisters awoke, it was too late to grab anything. They could only escape for their life. They couldn't get any clothes. They couldn't grab any shoes or bags. They couldn't get anything. They had to run for their lives as the flames chased them. They managed to survive and get outside. But as they sat in the compound watching, the whole house went up in smoke and flames, and everything was burnt to ashes. Everything was gone. Everything was lost. And the sisters sat there weeping. We've lost everything, they cried. But then a funny thing happened. The day after the fire, the next day, the friends of the first sister heard about the fire. And they began to bring clothing and bags and shoes and items that she had lent or given to them. One came and said, oh, my friend, I heard about what happened. I'm so sorry. I remembered, though, that you lent me an outfit when I had a special program, and I realized it's still in my wardrobe. Here, take it back. And another came and said, oh, my dear, I remember when my mommy died, you lent me this necklace, and I haven't returned it. Here it is. And another came and said, oh, sister, I heard what happened. So, so sorry. I've gone out and bought you some outfits and some shoes and bags. Please take them. By midday of the day after the fire, the first sister had a load of clothes and shoes and bags and jewelry and outfits so that she could fill her wardrobes. And the second sister had nothing. She'd given nothing, she'd lent nothing, and she got nothing in return. That night as the two sisters sat outside their burnt home, the first sister was sitting there contemplating and the second sister was crying. She said, I've lost everything I have. I lost everything I have. Then the first sister said, you know, everything I kept, I've lost. Everything I gave away, I kept. And that's how it is for all of us. For everything you hold on to in this life, everything you keep for yourself, you will lose. For the day is coming when everything we own will be taken away. And all we'll have to take in heaven is what we gave away. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot 
destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. See, friend, your worth and your value doesn't come by what you possess here on earth. You are valuable and loved and cherished by the Almighty God. Whether you're rich or poor, black or white, African American or Asian, educated or illiterate, we are all loved equally by our God, and he showers us with good things and blesses us so that we can enjoy, and it's not based on what we own or the possessions we have or the title we have. We must not place significance in what we own. We must place our significance in the impact we make on this earth. That's why God commands you to be generous in your giving. That's why God commands you to help those who can't help you back. That's why God commands you to be helpful to the poor. In fact, he says, if you are a true saint, if you follow Jesus, you must help others. That's why James 1.27 says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And understand the powerful, irrevocable truth of God today. If you are following Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, you must get up and help the poor and help the orphans and help the widows and help those in need. Your faith is tied to your generosity. That's why in the year 2000, we started the Agape Children's Home. We took in kids who were abandoned, orphaned children. And that time I was busy traveling the world, preaching, holding seminars. I was on TV and God said, what are you doing about my kids? I said, Lord, that's not my ministry. I'm too busy for that. He said, I'm not talking about your ministry. I'm not talking about an organization. I'm not talking about an NGO. I'm talking about you as a child of God who claimed to follow me. What are you doing for orphaned children? I said, yes, sir. If I'm a true believer, I will help the poor. We opened the home, and today God has blessed us with a mighty property and a mighty gang of kids out there. We've got some who graduated from university. Some are married and have children, and God has blessed us. That's what agape means. That's what this church stands for. We're here to bless God and bless others. If you believe it, say amen. That's why we went as a congregation into our community for Serve Day. We shared over 400 meals with 400 different families. 300 people got free medical care. And many of you gave and many of you served. And I say thank you. And may God bless you. And may God reward you. And may God multiply upon you his grace and his benefits. Because God has called this church to serve and to give. For when we're generous, we please God. When we're generous, we bless others. And when we're generous we ourselves are blessed that's why the bible says in deuteronomy 15 10 give generously to the poor not grudgingly for the lord your god will bless you in everything you do see when you bless others with your generosity it touches lives and makes an impact but not only that it blesses you god is no man's debtor and you cannot outgive god and that brings us to our third truth generosity makes an impact because generosity enriches you listen to what the bible says in verses 8 and 11 of our text god will generously somebody say generously provide all somebody say all you need then you will always, somebody say always, have everything, somebody say everything, and you need and plenty left over, somebody say plenty, to share with others. Yes, you will be enriched. What? What? what is, it? is that a mistake? You'll be enriched, what? In every way. 
You'll be enriched in every way. There's no area of your life, no part of your being that will not be enriched so that you can always be generous. You'll be enriched not just financially, but your spirit will be enriched. Your revelation will be enriched. Your family will be enriched. Your career will be enriched. Your ministry and your gift will be enriched. Your peace will be enriched. Your education will be enriched. Your clothing will be enriched. Your health will be enriched in every single way. There's no area of your life that will not be enriched when you're generous. You might remember last week I told the true story of Bobby Jo Reed, an American woman. For 22 years, she was a drug addict and an alcoholic. She turned to prostitution to earn money for her drug habit. But by the grace of God, the agape love touched her and changed her, and she gave her life to Christ. But there's more to the story. You see, agape love turned her life around, but generosity opened the door for her to fulfill her destiny. You see, when Bobby Jo Reed first got off drugs and repented of her sins, she was a, a new Christian, but she still had to eat. She'd earned money through prostitution, and she couldn't do that again, so she needed a way to buy food and supplies. So she started baking bread and selling it on the street. Then she was living in an addiction recovery center, and there was nothing for her there was no money, no food, so she started selling bread and getting a little money. Every evening, the money she got from the proceeds of her bread, she would go out and buy food, buy hygiene products, buy soap. And when she came back to the addiction recovery center, she would see all the other girls just like her, no job, no money, and she would start giving them away. She'd go out every night distributing the food, the hygiene products that she bought from her bread sales. And God began to bless her bread sales, and she sold more and more bread, and she went out and bought more and more hygiene supplies and food and began giving it to more and more people. And one day, she got a revelation. This is making an impact. My life has meaning. My life has purpose. My life is valuable. I can touch other lives. She realized she was valuable, and she stepped into her purpose. That's how she started her life work. She began a ministry called The Healing House to help recovering addicts find Christ and get free from bondage. To this day, The Healing House has now 14 homes scattered throughout different places helping addicts for free get them a new life in Christ and a new addiction recovery. And by the grace of God, she's helped over 10,000 men and women turn their lives around generosity launched her destiny. She found her calling and purpose when she started to give. And the same thing can happen to you. See, Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says, I will bless you. I thought you'd say amen. God is speaking here. He said, I will bless you. And you will be a blessing. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is God's plan and desire. He wants to bless you and make you a blessing to impact others, to impact our community, our city, our nation, and world. And he wants to bless you the more. In fact, the Bible tells us that when you begin to give, God gives you more so that you can do more. Every blessing comes from God. Everything he's given is intended for you to give out. He gave you Jesus so you could take Jesus to the world. He gave you the Holy Ghost so you could go in the power of the Holy Spirit 
He gave you grace and forgiveness so you could share that with others. And he's given you money and blessings so you can share that as well. Every blessing comes from God for us to enjoy and for us to pass on to others. And the more we give, the more God shovels in. The more you give, the more God shovels in. And God has a bigger shovel than you. No matter how much you shovel out to meet the needs, God's shovel is bigger and he shovels it in and you get more and more and more. That's why Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive because God guarantees your prosperity when you are generous. Listen to Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And here's the amazing truth. God has no limit. God has no end. There's not a certain number of blessings or a certain number of miracles that he can do. He can do a miracle for everyone in this house every minute of every day. His well never runs dry. His bank account is never overdrawn. There's no limit to God's blessing. And when he says, I will bless you, I will reward you, I will prosper you, you can know and be assured that God will do what he said. If you believe it, say, I receive it. But this is the message of the Bible over and over. Jesus said it in Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. That means God takes his mortar and pistol and begins to pound down the blessing to remove any air, to remove any unnecessary space. He presses it down so you'll get more, and he packs more and more till it starts to run over. It's poured into your lap. For with the measure you use... It will be measured to you. And here's the picture God gives us today. When you give, he gives more. When you give more, he gives more. When you give more, he gives more. Until the blessings become so great, they chase you down and tackle you. They chase you and embrace you. They follow after you and you can't escape. You will be blessed. In fact, it's my prayer that God will bless me so much the blessing will be so mighty and abundant that I have to call every single one of you. Oh yeah, come and help me. Bro, come and help me. Come and help me carry the blessing. Come on, come and help me carry the blessing. Come on, sis, come on, come on. It's too much, it's too much. Come and help me. And all of us together will arise. Arise to carry the blessings of God. Rejoicing in his goodness. Praising his name. Making an impact in the world. And continually being enriched. But the key is, first, you have to give. No sowing, no reaping, no seed, no harvest, no giving, no blessing. But when you do give, when you do scatter your seed, whoever you are, wherever you came from, whatever you do or don't do, God will bless you. For when you give generously, you please God. The heavens open. And he comes down to be near. When you give generously, you bless others. The world is changed because you give. And when you continually give generously, God comes to bless you in every way. That's the impact of generosity. Today I feel a stirring in my spirit. God is calling our church to arise. Thank God for the beautiful anniversary month we just finished 
I was so encouraged remembering what God had done, but I hear God saying, it's time to move forward. There are still victories to be won, still mountains to climb. There are still lives to touch, churches to plant, orphans to rescue. There's still more for Agape House. And that's why today I feel the stirring of God challenging us as a church to arise and give. Give generously, give sacrificially. This is not manipulation or pressure. This is a call from the Holy Spirit through the Holy Word to respond to Him, to bless Him and bless others. And I believe as we arise and do that, we will fulfill every purpose in our church and in your lives. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.